0: Hi, ladies. You're listening to the Goodness Podcast. My name is Noor Tahini. I'm the co founder of Goodness, and I'll be your host today. Goodness was launched in 2018 as a platform dedicated to tackling topics surrounding women's health in a real and honest way. And we're continuing on that mission with the launch of this podcast series, which will feature real women and real stories from the Middle East. My guest on the podcast today is Sarah Malki, a functional medicine and holistic health coach living in Dubai who was diagnosed with postpartum depression a few months after giving birth to a baby girl. Today, she's sharing her story with postpartum anxiety and depression, how it affected her life in marriage, and her journey to recovery. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Noor. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So we are discussing a topic today that is one we've touched upon in like personal meetings and over coffee, but it's a topic that is has been a big pillar in the in the goodness community and something we've often talked about, which is why I wanted to bring you in and have you on the podcast to talk about postpartum depression and basically the sort of postpartum mindset, what happens there, your personal experience, how you've treated it, and where you are today. This is actually something I've kind of maybe been wanting to
1: share, but a little bit... Not afraid to share, but... Um... I'm actually happy that you came and spoke to me about it and asked me to do this because I think it's probably more important to share than not to share. So yeah, going back to pregnancy, I guess I have written an article for you guys on goodness about my pregnancy and how it was kind of unplanned, let's just call it that. It was an unplanned pregnancy, so it was a big surprise for me. And I think it's very different when you're expecting to have children than when you're not and your lifestyle at least for me felt like I wasn't in the mindset of having children so when I did find out I was pregnant I was actually upset and again I think I had written about this that I felt ungrateful for being upset so let's just say the pregnancy kind of started not on the
0: Best foot. <laughs> exactly. Not on the best foot. Just to give our, our listeners a bit of background, I think if they haven't seen your article, they haven't read it yet, you had, you were in the process of launching a new business, right? right? yeah. And you had all these plans to travel the world at the exactly. same time. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I basically just, I had felt like I had just found myself. I think most of us kind of feel that way at the age of 30, our early 30s. Um, and I had probably felt the most confident about myself I had ever felt. I finally found uh, my calling and yeah, I was just, I felt like I wanted to get to know myself. And then out of nowhere, I find out I'm pregnant and I was in denial. Actually, it took me a while to finally take a pregnancy test. And it was actually one of my clients who was like, you haven't taken pregnancy test and she ran out of our our meeting to go get me a pregnancy test and I actually took a pregnancy test there with my client in a cafe Mm. so yeah it was something I was definitely not expecting I wasn't that happy about it initially but it was also I guess like everything it's it was meant to be Uh, it's taught me so much it's changed me and now that I look back at it it was probably perfect timing Overall, I had a really great pregnancy. I can't complain. I didn't love being pregnant. I'll be completely honest. A lot of my friends really enjoy, you know, the way pregnancy looks and it feels. Uh, not so much. I actually really, really hated it. But yeah, it was, I had definitely come to a part where I was accepting of it and I started to become excited about being a mom.
0: When did you give birth? It was last year, right?
1: Actually, almost exactly a year ago. She just turned one six days ago.
0: Yeah, on the 7th of December. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) All right, and then you gave birth in Canada, right? I gave birth in Canada. How soon after did you move back to the UAE? Three weeks, I think.
1: Yeah, it was really fast. We, We did all the papers,
0: the passport stuff, and we flew back immediately. And did it sort of hit you from the very beginning that something was off or that you weren't yourself or you weren't feeling well? You know, just to
1: give you a little bit of background. So I had already been seeing a therapist. I had already experienced depression before. So it was definitely something that was there for me in my mind. Like, oh my God, it was actually probably my biggest fear. Looking back, it's like, oh my God, am I going to have postpartum depression? I can't go through that again. And that was probably what I worried about the most. I didn't really think about what life was going to mm. be like. And I put so much attention on, I cannot let that happen to me. And surprisingly, and I think this is hormonal. When I first gave birth, a lot of people were like, oh, don't expect to feel really happy or like you connect with your child. And I felt the total opposite. Okay. I It was the most amazing thing ever. It was such, of course it was difficult and the epidural didn't work and it was painful and all of that, but it was so, I, I don't think I can even put it into words, but it was just perfect. It was perfect. I love at first sight, for me at least. I know a lot of people don't experience that. I, yeah, I just, I loved it. I don't know how to explain it. And and I was sitting there definitely for the first few weeks, few months thinking, oh my God, I did it. I didn't fall into depression. It's amazing. So it took a
0: few months. Yeah, actually it took four months.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And when you moved back here, you did, did you get any help? Did you have a support system around you?
1: I did. Yeah. So I had a full-time nurse. So she was actually, we got her from back home, which is Lebanon. And we basically flew her over here because it was cheaper than hiring someone here. And she was full-time, 24-7, which was actually a blessing in disguise because I had told my husband, no, we don't need any help. Like, I want to do this on my own. Thank God. (laughs) he was a lot more unemotional than I was. And he got the help anyway because I ended up having to pump. So while my baby was sleeping through the night almost 6-7 hours straight, I was waking up every 2 hours pumping. Mm. So it was close to impossible for me to maintain the pumping schedule plus the few breast issues that I had and be there for my baby as a mom. But I also think that has a large part in what happened at the 4 month mark for me where I had stopped pumping and I had decided to stop breastfeeding. I had an extreme oversupply. So the first four months, I think I was more focused on my, I don't want to say myself, but like myself in, in the sense of making milk for my child because it was so important for me as a health coach and I knew how important breast milk was going to be for my baby. And I wanted, I had romanticized breastfeeding. I wanted to breastfeed her for the first year of her life. Mm. And here I was. It is. Well, for some people, some people find it like, oh my God, no way. For me, I didn't love pregnancy. I hadn't even imagined having a child. But the one thing that I was looking forward to so much was breastfeeding. I wanted to feel that connection. And I never never got that. And of course, I was upset about it. But I think I was... At that point, when I had come to terms like, okay, it's not gonna work out, I wasn't sure whether it was a tongue tie, a lip tie. You know, we had gone to several doctors and I wasn't comfortable going ahead with something if I wasn't sure. And I was just, and with the amount of kind of breast issues that I had, I was just so focused on myself and I was in pain 24 seven for the entire four months that I don't feel like I was really there as a mom learning what it was like to have a newborn. She was being taken care of by someone else and I was there and watching it and I was micromanaging it. But I was still so self-absorbed with as funny as it sounds making milk, making enough milk. And luckily that part worked out. I it was a painful process, but Four months of pumping led to almost seven months of milk. Again, I was in oversupply, so I was always, for women that have had children, I was in the phase of when your milk first comes in for the entire four months, which is just really engorged, really painful. I couldn't sleep on my stomach for months. I'd wake up and the bed was just like completely wet. So it was my breasts that were always waking me up rather than my baby which is kind of ironic because most people complain I got lucky that she was a great baby as well though and I was lucky that my husband had hired this full-time help so yeah but it definitely I think distracted me distracted me from really engaging and learning what being a mom is or Everything, and I I guess I have that kind of mindset where I'm everything's a plan and everything was planned out, and how much milk I wanted to make was planned out, and how long I wanted to breastfeed for. And I was, again, self absorbed.
0: Why did you decide to stop pumping at the four
1: month mark? I think for probably my sake and my health's sake, as well as my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my daughter and most importantly the nurse was leaving us so we had said you know she'd be she'd be with us for the three month first three months and i realized with how demanding my pumping schedule was and i just couldn't as much as i tried like nothing was working for me to be able to reduce the amount of pumping like my breasts would just not respond well so i knew that it was either i continue like this and you know never leave the house i couldn't leave the house because i couldn't put a bra on like there wasn't a bra that would fit me i would be leaking 24 7 so i knew that it wasn't sustainable it was becoming unmanageable i wouldn't have more than three or four hours of sleep a night it was just not
0: sustainable okay okay so we're at the four month mark yeah. you've decided to stop pumping mm-hmm. and your nurse is leaving you what, yes what happens then
1: so obviously at this point, I start to freak out. I'm a little bit nervous and I've successfully stopped pumping, which I took me over a month. And now I think I feel what most moms would feel when they first have their child. I'm alone with a baby and I have no clue what to do. I mean, of course I have a clue, like I, I was there, right? But there is something, when, when women say it takes a village, it takes a village, and I feel like it takes a village because not just physically, but mentally, feeling like you can bounce ideas off someone, you're not sure what you're doing. Um, we were just talking about this right before we started the podcast where you were saying, you know, your mom was alone and had no one to even WhatsApp or call and ask, am I doing this right with the baby, am I not? And you need a sounding board, When you're a new mom, you just need a community, a community of other moms to talk to, to ask. And, you know, of course, although nowadays my mom is a phone call away, I don't know, maybe we're a little bit more spoiled nowadays, but I just felt like I needed someone with me. Like, Mm. what was great about having the nurse was it felt like we were tag teaming. We We were a team, and I felt like I needed a team. And as much as you know you might ask you know where where does your husband come into all of this he was there but not there he was a huge support from from the get go but i think in our culture men aren't really used to i want to say like getting their hands dirty when it comes to mm.
0: the baby the baby i've spoken to a few husbands of friends who've had babies or family members who've had babies and they often say that it's it's very hard for them because they can tell that their wife is going through something very difficult and she can't stop crying and she's she's sometimes a wreck, but they don't know what to do. So they just it's they're a bit powerless because at the end of the day they realize that or they believe that the power lies with the mom at that stage in the infancy sure. of the baby. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: I think their reaction is to disconnect just because Uh, in their minds just as you mentioned the mom feeds the baby the mom provides the nourishment Mm. the mom provides the care but I think that's a whole other topic of discussion but I think there definitely needs to be a sort of shift in the mindset Mm. in terms of how men can really be involved when it comes to newborns and children in general like as much as the mom is, yeah, the provider of the nur- of nourishment and whatever. I, I think it's just not... Um, it's a lack of cultural awareness, to be honest, because, you know, you'll find... Um, I have a friend of mine that always mentions that a lot of her friends here find it so much more difficult than her friends in in France or in Europe. And she's like, it's because both parents are equally as involved. Mm. And again, I don't want to take away from my husband who it's not that he didn't want to be involved. It said, I think he didn't know how. And as a new mom, you don't, you're you not like, let me sit and explain to you yeah, how you can yeah. be involved. You know, you're just upset and angry and tired and exhausted and nothing comes out the way you expect it to come out when you speak, you know?
0: Yeah. so Would you even have known how to relate to him what you needed at that moment? Probably not.
1: Yeah. Probably not. Um. But again, just to kind of go back to what happened at the four-month mark. So I know we we spoke about, you mentioned depression. But actually, I think for me specifically, what happened was not depression. It was anxiety. And having experienced depression beforehand, this was something I was just, I don't want to say shocked. It was more confused. I didn't know exactly what was going on with me because I had never experienced anxiety but I guess I maybe started to notice something was wrong with how I was trying to control everything how often I was arguing with my husband how paranoid I started to become how I could finally I had the opportunity to sleep but I couldn't sleep because I was having panic attacks yeah so I I I think just to kind of clarify, it wasn't depression, it was anxiety. It so it was, was anxiety. postpartum anxiety. Exactly. Okay. So that's kind of what happened at the... And I think it's a combination of, yes, the nurse leaving and feeling like, oh, I'm left alone without any, anyone with me. So I was alone. I didn't know... I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I did. I was at least doing the motions. Um, And I think what a lot of women also might not know is that when you stop breastfeeding, there is such a massive shift in hormones that you can go through. That's actually more likely when you can go through postpartum depression or anxiety than when you actually first deliver. So I did feel better when I got my first period a month later. But I did realize at that point, I realized something was very wrong. And considering my background of being a health coach and I had, you know, knowing all of, all of the information I knew, I was like, all right, you know, like I-, I can take care of this. I can handle this. I know exactly what to do. I have all the tools. Like this is what I spent the last three, four years building a toolbox of things to be able to deal with situations like this. And I tried everything. I tried therapeutic dose of magnesium, I tried lemon balm, I tried at one point I tried CBD oil um, I wasn't in the country of course, but you know I literally I was trying everything because for me I I felt like I knew what I could do and what I was supposed to do. and I think this is the part where if this would be of any help to anyone, is it took me maybe, It took me another four or five months to realize, all right, you've tried everything. And those things can only work when you're in somewhat of a stable mental situation. And this is not about feeling shame or like you failed. This is biochemical. Mm. This is something that you can't control. And obviously that's, I'm a type A, you know, I'm, 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 I'm controlling by nature. And I have to give credit to my therapist, by the way, who I was seeing consistently. And that's one thing I recommend to anybody get help, or at least get advice from someone professional. Mm. And she told me right off the bat, like, I I really think you need medication. And I'm like, no, 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 you know, like, you know, and she was very supportive in the sense, like, okay, fine, you know, like, let's, Let's wait and let's see. And again, it was a combination of things. It was the fact that I decided once the nurse left that I didn't want an I didn't want a nanny. I wanted to do it all on my own. So again, all of these things further exacerbated. So you had
0: no help for I had no some help. time. For how yeah. long?
1: Um up until 10 months. So wow. from four yeah. and six months. Yeah. yeah. And and we traveled for and two no and a half family months in the here. summer. Um, no, no family.
0: Did a lot of your girlfriends have children who were a similar age who you could rely on and talk to or did you not find that you had a close circle or a close community that you could turn not to? Not
1: really. I think I all of my friends pre-pregnancy were single and I enjoyed that more. I pushed away a lot of my friends that had kids or I wasn't interested in. I, I didn't really... I don't really like kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay to say yeah
0: everything's okay to say on this um, podcast.
1: true I don't really like kids mm. you know so that was also an, a, a huge fear when I got pregnant like I knew that I'd love my child yeah like no doubt about that but I just I don't enjoy doing kid things I didn't enjoy when my friends asked me to come or when a child came up to me to play I I, I almost got annoyed like yeah. this is a waste of my time um, I don't find this interesting I don't find this fun so I actually pushed away a lot of my friends who did have kids and when you have kids your life changes so you become less available for other people and I think I realize now that it's kind of up it was up to me as someone who was more flexible single not single I was married but as in I was living a single lifestyle in the sense that I was free to come and go whenever wherever and it was up to me to cater to my friends with kids mm. in order to preserve that relationship. And I didn't because I wasn't interested in their lifestyle. And I realize that now as I'm a mom and I wish that a lot of my friends who are still single or don't have children would cater to me. And I realize I was the exact the same, same way, yeah. yeah. You know, so I don't blame them and I get it. But no, I don't have that community of moms. I have one or two friends at most who are in the same situation as me, but not even. I actually only have one friend who's really kind of in the same place as me. And, and, and we can talk a lot, but we're both feeling the same way and that doesn't help sometimes. It helps to vent, but it doesn't help in terms of getting better. And again, that's where I go back to getting the professional help. And eventually you know, after traveling, it had worsened my anxiety because, you know, traveling with a baby, again, I had no idea, although my mom warned me, she's like, that's, you're going to be miserable to travel to so many places over the summer without help and without, you know, it's, it's an unknown with a child. And it did make my anxiety way worse. And that's probably what probably pushed me over the edge. And I got to a point where I realized I needed medication.
0: What were you anxious about? Is there anything specific or was it all around? It was,
1: I was, I don't know how to describe it to you other than say, I was like um, in like a panic emergency, something bad's going to happen mode all the time. I was extremely uptight, you know, and I—I I mean, thinking back on it, like I—I I, I get nervous thinking about it because I feel—I feel so bad for my husband as well, and my mom, and my sister, and everybody that like had to bear with me during that phase because I was unbearable. I was unbearable, and like I—I I mean, I wish they could just maybe tell you, but I think I think that's when you realize like. This is not okay anymore. It's not okay because it's starting to affect your life, the relationships in your life. It's starting, forget my life. Like I just didn't have a life. I didn't go out. I was in bed by 8.30 because I had a fear of not being able to sleep. And that fear made me an insomniac because I was just panicked all the time. I was also over the summer, I was sleeping in the same room as my daughter. So any noise would, wake me up and again every time I woke up I'd have like a kind of a panic attack because I felt like I couldn't fall back asleep and oh my god I'm not going to get enough sleep and how am I going to be able to be physically able to take care of her during Mm -hmm. the day when I when I'm so tired so it was just I wasn't eating well I was like I was on I was like an I did the way I describe it at least in terms of anxiety is like you're you're an energizer bunny where you're not really in your right mind. You're just like, "Okay, I have to do this, this and this." And this is what I have to do, and you keep doing it and you keep going and you keep going. And then a few every few weeks I'd just break down completely sobbing, crying, and I would just keep repeating like I'm not made for this. This is not for me. I'm not meant to be a mom. I'm not meant to be a mom, and I don't want to be a mom.
0: And I don't want I that was just did you resent the situation? I don't want to say did you resent your child, but did you resent your husband, the situation? You
1: know, surprisingly, I didn't resent my husband. For some reason, I was still rational enough to realize, I think I didn't resent him because I didn't um, rely on him, and I think because I was so controlling, I didn't rely on him. And again, that's why I, I wouldn't rely on anybody, really, and even though my mom was with me for a part of the summer that we were traveling, again, I was like, I think she called me, she's like, it's like, we're in some kind of Navy. We're in the Navy. She's like, you're just like a Navy officer yeah. yelling Orderers. orders at people. And she would just comply because if she didn't, it, I it, I think I was like a child. Like, I'd just have a tantrum if things didn't go the way I wanted to go because things were, the, the world was yeah. going to end if things didn't go the way you according to schedule yeah. or... The, or You know, I became obsessed with her awake times and how she was sleeping and what she was eating and how much milk she had and how much food she had. And I just became obsessed with anything to do with my daughter and planning everything out. And I felt I was working on her like she was a project. She was actually a project like I would, you know, I was, I was in event managing, you know, a long time ago. And that's kind of, I was a project manager. I was project managing my daughter. That's exactly what I was doing. And it wasn't until around 10 months when I think I was completely burnt out. We had come back to Dubai and I finally got a nanny and we were really lucky with the nanny because she was from a friend, friends of ours who were very close to us and she had raised their two kids. So she was kind of, I knew she was very well aware with Mm. Our culture and our kids and you know stuff like that so I kind of relax a little and she's great at cooking so just to give you an idea like I'd wake up at five in the morning with my daughter pre-nanny pre-nanny yeah I'd go to her I'd pick her up I'd give her her milk I'd prepare her milk give her her milk and she was a handful she's not the type to kind of chill she wasn't a chill baby so I'd play with her um until I put her back to sleep I put her to sleep in the half hour she wasn't a long napper either so she'd sleep for 30 minutes in that 30 minutes I'd try and make her her lunch which was impossible to finish in 30 minutes between chopping and washing and cutting and putting it and pureeing it and steaming it and whatever she'd wake up so I'd be with this baby trying to finish making her meal and by the time I sit to feed her play with her put her back to sleep and just Repeat. I put her back to sleep. I'm making her dinner. Like, mm. I just didn't have time to breathe. And you had no, obviously, no time for yourself. Forget it. My myself was. It wasn't yeah. even part of yeah. the equation. Yeah. You know, like, and that's that's. I think that's the funny thing is a lot of people start think like I changed and I'm not myself. I wasn't even thinking about. My, I, I wasn't thinking about myself. You weren't in
0: the equation at all. Uh, yeah. You. There's a lot of conversations around how. Self-care is something that moms should prioritize more and self-care is not selfish and moms always tend to put themselves last. How important is that in your experience? Like, Have you been able to incorporate a little bit more self-care into your life after the nanny?
1: Well, yeah, of course. And actually, that's kind of what happened is that when I had the nanny and I had literally just an hour or two to myself for the day, I didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. And that is when the depression hit. Oh. So it's kind of like... I wasn't expecting that. I know, neither was twist. I. <laughs> I know, neither... I, I Honestly, neither was I. It was... And I, and I think... And I guess... I don't want to say it wasn't... I, I think anxiety for me was so foreign as a feeling that I didn't think... There was no point... You know, and I kept telling you, I, I, every time I'd have a breakdown, I'm not meant for this. And I didn't resent my husband or my child because of how much I loved her. Everything, The reason I couldn't think of myself was because of how much I love her. But I, I think you'd kind of, it was so intense that you'd reboot the energy. It was a, it was a,
0: a type of energy that's not normal yeah, like an anxious energy. On a high, an anxious yeah. high. Yeah. Before we get to the depression, w- uh, did your therapist recommend medication for the anxiety or it was only for the depression?
1: Well, at the time, she said we should probably consider medication. And at the time, it was anxiety. Okay. And you said no? Um, I just kept saying, let's wait. Mm. Let's wait, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait, you know, and... I wanted to try... As I told you, I wanted to try, you know, different kind of therapies and... Natural. Exactly. Yeah. I I didn't want to go on prescription, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't until the depression hit that I realized, okay, like, I was feeling like I wanted to run away. Like, I, I think it was... I think the nanny gave me kind of... It, it lessened the anxiety because someone took over for example making her food
0: mm.
1: and someone took over playing with her for a little bit I was able to shower I was able to I was able to do a little bit of the self-care that you were mm. mentioning but I was so tired that I would just kind of sit and I just didn't know what to do I didn't know how to get back to myself or I wasn't I wasn't I, I feel like I wasn't connected to myself anymore so I think at that point I kind of just wished for my old life and I, cause I, I didn't, I, I think I didn't really, for the, for the entire 10 months I didn't, as I mentioned, she was kind of a project and it was always like, okay, when she is on solids, this will happen. When, when she's sleeping through the night, then I can go back to this. When we move down from two naps to one nap, then I can do this. Mm. So it was always like working on her. And at 10 months, when I, I, I at some point, I realized through, through the depression, I don't know why I come to all of my realizations at my lowest. But I guess that's, you know, at rock bottom, you kind of figure things out somehow. Maybe it's part of the process. I don't know. But I, 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 at one point, I realized, I'm like, oh, my God. This is for life. (laughs) It took you 10 months. (laughs) Yeah, it took me 10 months. I'm like, wait a second. I'm a mom. Yeah. This isn't short term. This isn't, oh, let me fix her sleeping and her food and her this. And then I can go and travel and do all the things. And then I can go back to my life. And truly, that's what I thought. Truly, somewhere inside me, I thought, that's how this works you sacrifice and you put all this effort and then it's going to come to fruition everything mm. is going to fit in and and then you start to have time for yourself and it all works out then she's a i I was treating her like she's a robot like she's predictable
0: is is this realization a realization that it's not a matter of sacrificing everything for a specific period of time and then finding yourself again after it's, you have to, because it's for life, you have to find a way to balance you and baby and marriage and... Exactly. Exactly. I realized
1: I need to figure out how how this all fits, how this works, because clearly it wasn't balanced. But I, I don't think I knew that at that point. I think I just realized, wait a second this isn't this isn't going to end and it was a scary realization because all i was doing was working as if it would end yeah and when i realized it wouldn't end it was scary but also a revelation mm. like okay now i need to approach this differently and it's crazy because when i realized i need to approach this differently was exactly when i realized i need medication right now i I, me thinking I'm controlling everything is exactly the opposite to what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to cry just thinking about it because it's such a, it was so emotional. And it, I felt, I look back and I'm like, I'm so proud that I actually made that decision. You know, yes, my therapist was telling me and psychiatrists were telling me you, you definitely need medication. And, but it, until you're fully convinced and you realize, I think I would have felt ashamed if I had taken it before, I I would have felt like I failed. And instead now I felt like this is a step in the right direction to making my life, my daughter's life and everybody's life a little better. And I realized if I'm not okay, how the hell am I going to, how the hell am I going to be there for her? Mm. You know what I mean? So
0: I felt very proud of myself. Yeah. It must be hard for someone who's, Career up until that point was based on sort of more holistic practices and more natural remedies to accept that you need to go um, the like the medical route and to take uh, to take antidepressants but I think not just for you I think for Everyone, there's such a stigma around medication that mm-hmm. even for someone who's not involved or not as involved in um, like holistic healing as you are, there's this shame or this fear of going there. 100%. Um, look, I think
1: it sucks. It sucks that it's a shameful thing. And I think... I'm not sure why it is because, you know... I, and I say this because of how proud I felt in that moment, I feel like, and I also think it's the knowledge that I have, the knowledge that, again, I mentioned, the holistic side of things work when you're at a stable base point, let's say. Um, If you're not, and that's where I go back to kind of like the science, the biology, whatever behind it all, There is a biochemical imbalance. Like, it was very clear. When things become completely unmanageable in your life, and that's what it was for me, I came to a point where I seriously considered buying a plane ticket and leaving and just disappearing and leaving my husband and daughter. And it was, again, that realization that, like, this is not okay. This is not something... You can't meditate that away. Mm. You know, you 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 can't. You just can't. No matter and I, I, and the reality is I tried. Yeah. You know, I tried with the magnesium and the lemon balm and the CBD oil and everything I could possibly think of and seeing a therapist and I was doing everything I thought that I needed to do to get over whatever I was going through. Um and 10 months is a long time like you know, well, really six months of really feeling it, but the first four months weren't easy and I was in a bubble, I think. But six months is a long time to have to deal with that. And I think, I think it, I wish I had made these realizations earlier, but I mean, everything in its own its own time. And I wish I got, I wish I had the nanny earlier. I wish I got that help earlier. I wish I wasn't so stubborn about wanting to do everything myself. I, you know, but you live and you learn and, That's what it's all about. But regarding the shame and the stigma and all of that, I guess I'm not ashamed because I have, you know, the knowledge that it's not something that you should be ashamed of because you can't control it, one. And for anybody that is feeling these feelings or going through these feelings, you need to get help. At least see a therapist because it is life-changing it is life-saving yeah. really for me for my daughter for my marriage i mean that's the only way i can describe it and i i guess for me i don't know i feel i don't want to say i feel sorry for people who don't who think it it, it is shameful I don't feel sorry. I feel, I feel like maybe there needs to just be more education.
0: Yeah, more conversation. Yeah, more yeah.
1: conversation. Yeah. I have no problem telling anyone that I'm on medication if, it, if, if, it, if I feel like it's going to make it okay for them to consider it yeah. because that's what happened with me.
0: What have people's reactions been or have there been any reactions worth noting? Um,
1: yeah, most people are like, no, but you don't need it. You, know, you, yeah. can, you, know, yeah. you can overcome this and look like and i i think it was actually my personal trainer who's like when i told him he was a little bit shocked like what like it doesn't show i'm like anxiety or depression is yeah. not something you yeah. can see i was getting complimented on the way i looked hmm. because i lost so much weight mostly from anxiety and not eating and i was so unhealthy but people f- thought i looked great because I was back to my pre-baby weight. You know, like it's insane. It's insane that that is our measure of wellness. Exactly. Yeah. You know, not what I look like is basically supposed to be what I feel like. You know, people it was no no one asked me how I was really feeling. I I had maybe one friend who I'm not very close to actually, but she was great. You know, she was she told me, she's like, listen, when you stop uh, pumping or breastfeeding or whatever, you know, your hormones are going to shift. You're going to feel different, but you'll feel better when you get your period. Indeed, I did feel better when I got my period, but it wasn't better enough. Hmm. So yeah, it's just a lack of awareness. It's a lack of information. And I'm sure a lot of women go through this and don't know that they're going through this. You know, like when I first ever experienced depression. I didn't know I was depressed. I'd never experienced those feelings. Same with anxiety. I mean, I was a little more aware because I, again, I always say, like for people who always ask me like, how do you know? Or like, what made you realize? What makes me realize is when life starts to feel like it's unmanageable. Mm. When people around you, when normal everyday things, you feel like you can't do normal everyday things. I couldn't le- I didn't leave the house. Uh, my, we couldn't socialize. Uh, I couldn't go for a massage because I didn't know if she was going to wake up or not. Because, you know, when I wanted to do self-care, I, I didn't do self-care because I was so obsessed with her schedule and being there and being controlling everything. So when you're trying to control everything, you clearly can't control everything and go do something else. So it just
0: came in the way of life. I'm curious about your relationship with your husband throughout this time. So how did he take the anxiety and then the depression? Did he understand? Did the therapist equip you with different ways to talk to him about it? Were you able to communicate what you were feeling or was he basically just shut out not understanding what was happening?
1: Oh my god, I don't even know where to begin with this and I'm smiling because mostly because he's a champion for <laughs> He deserves a medal He really deserves a medal yeah. I mean I don't know how he did it I, do, I honestly, he's the reason we survived going through what I went through. Um, I think I think he was equipped a little bit because you know, like you know my my therapist warned me like, you know people who have previously experienced depression are more likely to experience postpartum issues. So he was kind of equipped, and he was equipped from day one by, you know, his reaction, getting that nurse was a reaction to, like, if something happens to my wife, there's a nurse there to help. Mm. So I think he already had all of these things in mind. He had, honestly, hats off to him because he had a lot of foresight. But that does not mean it made it easy for him to deal with me, and that does not mean that he was also completely composed all the time Mm. he definitely had his moments where the things that he did probably were completely wrong and didn't help me and made things worse but mostly almost 90% of the time I honestly feel like I have made it to wherever I made it to the 10 month mark of my realization or really I'm alive because he was there you know him and my mom you know, but my mom is not, you know, not in a partnership with your mom. She's not there every single day. Yeah. But you know, I, I have that family support, and I'm so thankful for that family support and their awareness of my, you know, my background and and what I'm like, and um. And they have each other's support, which I I think is also really important. Like my my husband would communicate with my with my mom and my parents and my sister. You know, like, is this a flag? Is this not? How do you feel like she reacted to Amazing. this? Yeah, it is, it is. I'm so lucky. I'm so, so lucky. I'm really lucky to have someone who was so... And that's also very rare culturally. And actually not even culturally. I think universally it's not. It's very rare that a husband can understand what's going on. And one one thing that he always mentioned that was his thought process, maybe to give you a little bit of insight... Mm-hmm. He'd always say that whenever cuz I'd always be like how the hell do you deal with me like in this state you know like at one point I'd be I'd literally be punching wanting to punch the wall I'd punch the bed and the pillows and screaming and crying and going completely insane throwing things and just sobbing for hours on end and I'd just be like how did you deal with this and he just kept saying I would look at you and say this is not my wife right now. This is the hormones, this is yeah. the anxiety, this is the depression. Like this is not her. Like this is not her and and so I can't deal with her like she's her. She's somewhere else right now. And I think and that's funny because that's the advice he gives to a lot of men. He's like, "Dude, no, you can't. You can't Reason with your wife right now.
0: She's yeah, not herself. Yeah. The hormones are all over the place. Like, kudos to him. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if when men say she's hormonal, or when men know that you have maybe have bad PMS symptoms or whatever it is, they'll say, oh, it's the hormones. I wonder if they actually understand to what extent the hormones can control everything or it's just like they've learned that sometimes she's not her and it's just those little monsters called hormones and they kind of take over her brain i think
1: poor Ziad because he's had a lot of experience with me i guess because i mean we've been we've been together for over five years like Mm -hmm. and i had horrible pms Mm. horrible and Took us two years. It took it. Took him two years to kind of figure that out, you know. I mean, as a man, like you can't blame everything on hormones. Yeah. But I think he'd see. He'd really see. And I think that's also amazing about a strong marriage, and a strong relationship, and a strong partnership is really knowing the person. So he was able to look at me and say, "This is not her." Yeah. A lot of people be like, "Dude, my wife's a bitch." Like mm. she's. I don't know, she's crazy, whatever. He didn't label me like that. He understood that something was going on. So, yeah, I I think that's really what it was. He had experience a little bit.
0: I think it's important Um, also to have a conversation with your husband before the baby comes and maybe to even have the conversation with a a therapist or with your doctor or your gynecologist, whatever, just just to make the man fully aware of, what can happen and how things like your wife might cry 24 seven for a week at the beginning, or maybe later on, or just to have that conversation and put everything on the table. Honestly, I don't know how it works
1: here, but if we were still in Canada and they're amazing because they call you mm. a week after you've delivered and then they send someone to check in on you.
0: Wow!
1: And they focus, you know, they go over the basics on how the baby is, the weight, the blah, blah, blah. But they focus on how the mom is doing. And they also focus on how the husband is doing. Yeah. And I don't think we have something like that in place here. But if we were there, they follow up with you for a few months.
0: That's amazing. And
1: you have someone you can go to for free. It's part of the system that you can go and tell you know, tell them what's going on with you and they kind of can be like, all right, that's a flag. You're not okay. You might need to see someone. You might need to go mm. see a therapist. You, might, Whatever it is. So I wish we had that. And I, again, like I'm saying this, I don't know exactly how in depth the, the system is over there with regards to the care for family and stuff like that. But I, I do know they also have that in Nordic countries where mm. they send someone, they send kind of like a a caretaker and the caretaker comes and helps out with, with the other children in the house so that the mom can
0: kind of no focus way. on the
1: baby. And, you know, they kind of check in on the family. It's not just checking in on the mom, but they're checking in on the family, and they're kind of relieving them of, like, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and and their toddler that's running around while they're taking care of the baby. I definitely think we don't have that here, but... Um, yeah that's that's missing for sure and i think that would be helpful and i think it would be helpful even further to like you said i i wish we had things here i mean i'm sure there are there are like prenatal things that you can go to with your spouse um but i mean before i had the baby my husband was like yeah you can go and come back and tell me what happens yeah yeah
0: they don't realize how involved they're gonna have to be yeah um there's I have a friend, a really close friend of mine, who gave birth in Paris, and I know that in Paris, they don't let you leave the hospital. It's not that they don't let you, but they they basically wait until you are comfortable mm-hmm. with what's happening. You're not scared, you're not in a state where every time the baby cries, you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's quite nice. I, I haven't heard of anything like that here, but I know that there, there's a new company in town. I think they launched last year, they're called Little Feather Doula Collective and they are they, are, they are doulas and they mm. also do they also offer a postpartum service. So they have a postpartum doula or two of them I think. And they maybe fill in the fill in those gaps that are not offered by hospitals or by the government here.
1: That would be great mm. because honestly it, when I have pregnant friends now and I always tell them like don't worry about the birth, the delivery, don't worry about anything pregnancy related worry about what's going to happen after because shit starts after. Exactly. It is it's a shit show it really is. Like you don't see in front of you everything is unorganized. You know, your husband's lost as well, yeah. you know. They're they're lost and confused. You know, I, I forgot who told me but it's almost like it doesn't really hit them until like really a few months husbands? later. Yeah. yeah. That they're that their dads like yeah. they don't really feel involved. They feel left out. You you
0: know you know the whole the whole thing. Um, Because there's not much they can do and the, the child isn't really interacting with them exactly. until a certain age. Exactly, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're still on the medication now. I'm still on the medication. And how is life post-medication, especially as it pertains to motherhood and marriage?
1: Um, a world of a difference, honestly. I I go out. <laughs> We're social again, which awesome. is something that my poor husband has been dying for us to do I mean I think he finally feels like he has a partner again and I think I think for him like you know little bits and pieces of me come back and he slowly tries I'm I'm still very much a micromanager when it comes to my daughter so but that again is my personality so I, I as much as he'd love you know in the beginning he loved for me to be fully hands on with my daughter at this point he's like can you please fully let go yeah Um, but so much better. I'm, I I wouldn't be able to do this today. I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't leave the house. I, I, I just really don't know how to describe it other than I was kind of afraid to leave the house because of fear of the unknown. I can't leave my daughter. And if I bring her, I don't know what's going to happen and if I'm going to be able to deal with it. And now I'm able to do all of that. I, I'm, I sleep better, which is, which is a, huge
0: thing. You're back at the gym I see you there.
1: Yeah I started to go back to the gym and on that note actually it's really really nice to have people who are in your life like my personal trainer who was very understanding and flexible with me with regards to whether I could make it to the gym or not or giving me a tighter sort of a more flexible cancellation schedule Mm -hmm. or Um, would sometimes come to me to my gym. I really, really, I mean, he's a male, but he was great with that. Really, I I, I have to give it to him for really, he allowed me to be able to continue doing some sessions even while I was going through the phase of anxiety because he catered to me. Mm. And I think, again, that's that whole, like having a team of people who kind of understand what you're going through or what it's like to be a parent or what, motherhood is really like it's not that flexible for the first year but yeah i i'm so much better and i feel like i mean it's only been a it's only been two months you know it hasn't been very long but i think there's still a lot more work i have to do i haven't even tapped into you know the stuff i i do know you know i'm still not used to eating well because i've spent so long just eating getting food in when I can I'm not used to taking time off for myself I'm not used to thinking about myself and I'm not used to doing the things I love I just stopped doing it for so long but you know it's it's baby steps you know when 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 we got the nanny and when I started the medication the first step was leave the house without Mm. the baby so I started to do that first the first few weeks were really hard. I couldn't leave for more than an hour an hour and a half before panicking and wanting to go back home and now what i mean i've I've already left the house for an hour and a half now you know i I could be gone for three hours and I'm okay with that yeah and would you have another
0: baby? Would you do this again
1: today yeah, No no, and it's something I kind of feel guilty about and also, feelings I have to work through, and I tell myself, "Why should I even bother thinking about this now when I know that for me, and again, personal health, um, health wise, you know, if you look back at our ancestors." Um, You didn't have children until two years after your first child. You didn't start trying to have children. You wouldn't get pregnant until two years because it takes two years for the woman's body to fully replenish
0: Mm.
1: her nutrient stores. And, you know, it it would be unfair for my second child if I got pregnant right now. I mean, that's the way I see it. You know, it happens, of course, and everybody ends up okay. But for me, for my body and for my body to be prepared for another pregnancy, I know that I wouldn't, hypothetically, if I were to do it, I wouldn't even consider it until the two-year mark. So sometimes when I sit and I – because I, th- that's my new thing, by the way. I'm, like, seeking reassurance from every parent who only has one child. I'm like, so, are you going to have another? <sighs> if you don't, are you okay with having one? So if you had one, or I go around and ask all these single children, all the only children in my life, and I'm like, how do you feel? Do you feel like it's okay that you didn't have a sibling? Yeah. Do you feel like you missed out in life? And... Uh, There's no answer to that. I have a sister and like nothing can replace. I'd die without my sister. So I definitely feel, I'd feel selfish not giving that to my daughter. But you know what? I know I'm not ready and I know I can't think about it. And I think about it and I feel trauma all over again. So I'm just going to say, today it's a no. It's a firm no. Mm -hmm. And if I found out I was pregnant today, I really don't know. I'd, I'd probably... It would just not be okay. (laughs) Okay. Let's not think about what I would do if I found out I was pregnant. Um, I'll revisit it in two years, like in a year from now, and see how I feel.
0: And just to wrap things up, is there any piece of advice or any message you would like to leave for someone who is perhaps currently uh, experiencing postpartum depression or even something that you wish you had known a few months ago
1: yeah don't hesitate to get on medication really don't hesitate it's the sooner the better it's night and day the difference with how you feel there is nothing to be ashamed of it's not in your control and it's one step closer to getting better and getting off the medication mm. you're just prolonging being miserable thank you you're thanks, welcome Sarah, thanks
0: so much for joining us today So happy to be here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it. And we'll see you next week.